Hi, this is Katie Edwards from Clean Air Action Fund. Welcome to On Air Policy. Clean Air Action Fund is a 501c4 environmental organization focused on fighting climate change and its impacts in Pennsylvania. The Action Fund engages in lobbying and electoral work to advocate for candidates and policies to address the climate crisis and to hold elected officials accountable. Today, we're talking to Robert Ruth, Clean Air Action Fund attorney, about the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, or REGI, a cap-and-trade program that would reduce carbon emissions and bring money back into the green economy. Hi, Robert. How are you doing today? Hey, Katie. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Well, let's jump right in. Can you give us a 3,000-foot level overview of the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative? Who is involved in it? How are the emissions cut and monitored? And in what ways is this initiative revolutionary? So the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, or REGI, as it's commonly referred to, it is a cooperative effort among 12 states in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic, stretching from Maine up in the North down to Virginia in the South. And it's a cooperative effort where all 12 states share a goal of reducing carbon dioxide from power plants, the facilities that generate electricity that we use in our homes and businesses in our daily lives. The electric power sector is responsible for about a quarter of the greenhouse gas emissions in the whole United States. That's roughly the case in Pennsylvania specifically as well. And what Reggie does, it's, it's, uh, I say it's a cooperative effort because these states who shared this goal, they have come together and agreed to create independent programs authorized under their respective state laws and state constitutions that are designed similarly enough to be able to work together and complement one another and create a regional marketplace. So Pennsylvania has its own Reggie regulation that was promulgated by our state Department of Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, It was finalized in April of 2022 after a more than two and a half year long process. And what each of these independent state programs do that work together collectively is uh, place a binding declining limit on the amount of carbon pollution that can be emitted by power plants within each state's lines. It requires those power plants to pay fees for their carbon pollution. I mentioned the binding declining limit on carbon pollution. What happens is uh, each state requires power plants to obtain what's called an allowance. It's essentially a limited license to pollute. You are granted permission to pollute one ton of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere for each allowance that you obtain. And the states have a limited number of allowances that they distribute each year. And those allowances, that budget of CO2 allowances, declines predictably year over year, which ensures that there are carbon dioxide emission reductions. And so those allowances, they are distributed primarily through regional auctions. 
There is an entity, a nonprofit called Reggie Inc., and they run a regional auction on a quarterly basis. So four times a year, all of the states select a quarter, roughly, of their, their annual CO2 allowance budget, pool them all together in a pot, and they are made available to be purchased at auction. There are some price controls. There's a ceiling and a floor, so the price can't spike too high or drop too low, but the market ends up setting what the price of the allowances will be at an auction, and the money that is generated, the proceeds that are generated from the sale of allowances at auction are returned to the states, and those proceeds can be reinvested for public benefit. They can be used to further fund renewable energy programs or energy efficiency programs. And because Reggie is, is utilizing this market-based approach, it is incentivizing plants to achieve emission reductions at the lowest possible cost. And just, I don't want to go on too much longer, but just for some basic history, Reggie was conceived back in 2005 by a Republican governor of New York at the time. The initial participating states all agreed to enact regulations through their own specific state processes. And the program was in operation in 2009, and it has been repeatedly embraced by a bipartisan group of governors over the last 14 years now. So Reggie participation in Pennsylvania as the 12th state and by far the largest fossil fuel state and carbon emitting state among the group will lead to up to 227 million tons of carbon dioxide reduced by the end of this decade. So projecting out what Pennsylvania power plants would emit if Pennsylvania didn't participate in Reggie going forward versus what they will emit with Pennsylvania linking with the Reggie program between now and 2030, 227 million tons of carbon dioxide will not be emitted into the atmosphere. And that sounds like a big number. What does it really mean? That is the clean air equivalent of removing 4 million vehicles from our roads. Wow. Robert, do all power plants MPA qualify for Reggie? If not, what happens to the power plants that don't qualify? It's a good question. There are some thresholds. Reggie is applicable to power plants that have a nameplate capacity of 25 megawatts or higher. So nameplate capacity is essentially what they are capable of emitting when operating at their maximum levels. So 25 megawatts or higher. The Pennsylvania DEP estimates that the Reggie regulation will cover 99% of the carbon dioxide emissions that come from Pennsylvania power plants. But there are small peaker plants that are activated at peak load when demand on the electricity grid is extremely high. But looking at that emissions figure is what is key here, that you're covering the plants that are responsible for 99% of the carbon emissions at that threshold. And there are a few other factors, you know, whether a power plant is permitted to sell at least 10% of the electricity that it generates to the grid rather than to a co-located facility. But those, those finer details don't matter so much for these purposes. It's um, the Reggie regulation in Pennsylvania will essentially cover 
the plants that are responsible for just about all of the climate pollution coming from our electric generating sector. And what, what happens to those plants that aren't covered? They will not have to purchase allowances commensurate with their carbon emissions, but they could still obtain allowances if they wanted to and use them as an asset to be traded with other plants on the secondary market if they wanted to. Until power plants have to retire their allowances or submit them for compliance purposes under the Reggie regulation, they are assets on these power plants balance sheets. They are assets that can be traded for value, part of the market-based approach. That's a nice segue into allowances. What is the price today for these allowances and how will it vary over the years? It's a great question. The most recent regional auction held by the Reggie States took place in early March and the the clearing price there was $12.50. That number has fluctuated as high as 1390, which was uh, just about a year ago in June of 2022. And, you know, it's a bidding process, so it's whatever is driven by the calculations made by independent Power plant operators and investors, what they see as maximum value or the lowest cost achievable for emission reductions. And I mentioned earlier that there's a price floor and a price ceiling built into each state's uh, separate Reggie regulation. So in Pennsylvania, as in all the other Reggie states, there are uh, price control mechanisms. They're referred to as the cost containment reserve and the emissions containment reserve. Basically, think of the the cost containment reserve. As it sounds, it is designed to function as a price ceiling. It wants to ensure that if allowance prices exceed a predefined level, that you increase the supply of allowances such that it meets the, the relevant demand and the price does not exceed that ceiling. On the flip side, the emissions containment reserve Think of it as a price floor. If the allowance prices fall below a predetermined trigger price set at the floor, then allowances start to get withheld from the auction. They reduce the supply so that the, the price will stabilize and go no lower than that floor. And in each case, both the price ceiling and the price floor increase annually at a predictable amount, 7% per year. So Year over year, the ceiling price goes a little bit higher and the floor price goes a little bit higher. So you're always going to have the Reggie Allowance Auctions clearing price fall between a predetermined range to increase predictability and to ensure that costs are contained and that emissions reductions are achieved. If the price of allowances were to fall too low, then that suggests that there are way too many allowances and you're allowing, the program is allowing for way too much pollution, that the cost of emission reductions is so low that it's not actually achieving the program's intended goals. Robert, thank you for going into detail with that. It's really fascinating how that market-based approach works. Where do the auction profits go? Can you talk about the four areas that they're reinvested into? The way Pennsylvania's Reggie regulation is structured, proceeds will be returned to the State Department of Environmental Protection, to DEP, and they will be deposited in a 
special segregated fund known as the Clean Air Fund, which is set up by state law in the Air Pollution Control Act. And it's the fund where air pollution fees are sent. Air pollution fees, which is what the Reggie proceeds will be classified as, air pollution fees go to the Clean Air Fund. And according to the Air Pollution Control Act, the department must administer that fund for the use in elimination of air pollution. Traditionally, DEP has used it for a variety of clean air programs. Historically speaking, the participation in Reggie will be a significant increase to the annual amount of money that goes into the Clean Air Fund. If Pennsylvania had participated in Reggie since January of 2022, as uh, former Governor Wolf had intended, the state would have received over $1 billion, roughly, through the five regional quarterly auctions they could have participated in to date. That's projecting and assuming that allowance clearing prices stayed the same as they did with Pennsylvania's allowances also made available for sale, but roughly $1 billion could have already been deposited in the Clean Air Fund and used for, you mentioned the different categories. The Reggie states have traditionally referred to them in these ways as uh, renewable energy programs, energy efficiency programs, greenhouse gas abatement, and uh, direct bill assistance, which is essentially uh, rebates on uh, residential electricity bills. You just return money to consumers for the amount that they pay for their electricity every month. Pennsylvania's DEP has not put out a specific detailed spending plan for how it intends to invest Reggie proceeds, but because of the way that our state's Air Pollution Control Act is written, Direct bill assistance is unfortunately not one of the options available to DEP because, again, the, the sort of controlling language in that statute says that DEP must administer the Clean Air Fund for use in the elimination of air pollution. And they have determined direct bill assistance is not sufficiently tied to eliminating air pollution. But the other three buckets are available, renewable energy, energy efficiency, and greenhouse gas abatement. Uh, so. The DEP in the, in the supporting documents for the Reggie regulation put out a hypothetical that they would invest the Reggie proceeds a third going into each of those three buckets. But we are still awaiting actual public release of, of DEP's intended plans to spend down that Reggie money, which will be significant. And it's significant because carbon pollution in Pennsylvania is a significant problem. Based on the most recent figures, Pennsylvania has the third dirtiest power sector in the country in terms of climate pollution. Uh, only two other states emitted more carbon dioxide from their power plants than Pennsylvania did. So that explains why Reggie investment opportunities will be so significant here in Pennsylvania. I just want to go back for one second to the refunds on electricity bills and usage. Is that something that Pennsylvania could do in the future? Because I'm sure our listeners would like to know how their electric bills could go down from Reggie. Or are we kind of stuck in using those three pots that you described? Pennsylvania is limited under current law to those three spending categories, but we have a general assembly that is capable of enacting new laws. For example, in the 2021-22 legislative session, Senator Kamita from Chester County sponsored the Reggie Investments Act, 
This was Senate Bill 15 last session. She has released a co-sponsor memo this session with the ability to re-release that piece of legislation that specifies and allocates Reggie money into particular areas, and that includes direct bill assistance, something that is not allowed under current law. So we need the General Assembly to step up and be constructive here. And if they wanted to, and they had the votes to do it, they could ensure that Reggie money gets invested in direct bill assistance for everybody's monthly electric bills. They could direct that money to communities that have been affected by the ongoing energy transition, the shift away from fossil fuels to uh, clean energy. Uh, in, in the particular story in Pennsylvania over the last decade has been coal-fired power being displaced by methane gas-fired power. That's something that has been taking place and will continue to take place whether or not Pennsylvania participates in, in Reggie. We've seen a large number of coal-fired power plants retire for the most part because they can't compete in the marketplace with cheaper and cleaner energy generation sources. And uh, those communities and the school districts and property taxes that, that support those school districts and, and local communities have simply been left with, you know, nothing uh, been told to fend for themselves. But the Reggie Investments Act is one example of ways that Reggie money could be devoted to actually assisting communities like that and manage their transition in a more durable way. You hear that, everyone? We all need to talk to our elected officials and tell them that we want those energy bill assistance programs. The legislature can be constructive in this. It's true. So, Robert, are there ways that we can strengthen Reggie as it stands? The program as it's written now is structured to go out until 2030. The annual allowance budget declines year over year until you get to 2030. And at that point, the budget just stays the same going forward. So in several years, Pennsylvania DEP will need to revisit the program, update it going out into the 2030s. Right now, there are allowances for a particular category of power plant called a waste coal plants. These are plants that, as it sounds, they burn coal refuse left over from coal mining operations to generate electricity. It's an especially carbon intensive and dirty way to produce electricity, relatively inefficient. But these power plants still have to obtain allowances commensurate with their carbon pollution. But DEP has set aside 12.8 million allowances each year to go specifically to waste coal plants, and they're given to them for free. They don't have to pay to obtain those allowances. DEP's rationale is that burning these piles of waste coal for electricity, while it produces air pollution, it reduces pollution to groundwater. And you know some of these waste coal piles are already on fire, and they create all sorts of, of hazards where they are. There are better ways to address the situation than to simply burn the waste coal for electricity. But that is DEP's rationale. They have decided to give some of these allowances away for free. Our sister organization, Clean Air Council, and other environmental partner organizations in Pennsylvania submitted comments to DEP during the comment period, making a strong case that this waste coal set aside was not a logical, wise, 
or efficient way of distributing allowances under the Reggie program. So ideally, when the program gets updated, you will see uh, that set aside be amended. 12.8 million allowances per year is, is a significant amount. That's, you know, close to a fifth of, of the state's annual budget. And as that allowance budget declines over time, it just grows and grows in terms of how much of a percentage share it takes up. So there are ways to increase the flexibility DEP has with how it spends Reggie proceeds. And there are ways to strengthen the program design elements in the regulation. There were recommendations made during the comment period about shrinking the overall budget because the way the program was was structured as the regulations were drafted in 2020 and 2021, it was based on an estimated amount of pollution that would be emitted in 2022 and going forward. If pollution reductions are achieved at a faster rate because of other factors, you know, thinking of things like the Federal Inflation Reduction Act, clean energy incentives there, a number of strong climate regulations coming from EPA, if emission reductions are achieved at a faster rate in Pennsylvania than was anticipated in, you know, the past few years, then the integrity of the of the overall CO2 allowance budget will be affected. If you're providing more allowances than are necessary to cover the actual pollution that's being emitted, you're weakening the Reggie program and you're you're undermining the goals of having it be one of the drivers of of emission reductions rather than just a way to, you know, have assets that are available to share in the form of allowances. So tightening up the, the CO2 allowance budget in the years ahead is a, is a good way to strengthen the program. And in particular, looking out into the 2030s and, and approaching 2040 with our national goal of completely decarbonizing the power sector by 2035, which is the Biden administration's long-stated target, you're going to need to figure out a way how Reggie can be compatible with that. I'm glad that there are ways that we can strengthen Reggie, but I have to address the fact that Reggie's had a really bumpy road in Pennsylvania. Can you tell us about the battle that's been happening with Pennsylvania trying to join Reggie? Who's been blocking it? What's going on? And what's the latest from the court? That's a polite way to put it. It is at a bumpy road ever since Governor Wolf directed DEP to come up with a regulation that would allow Pennsylvania to link with Reggie. And Pennsylvania's regulation allows for DEP to just run its own power sector auctions if it wanted to, if that provided greater benefits to Pennsylvania than participating in Reggie would. But ever since Governor Wolf did that back in October of 2019, there have been multiple legislative attacks on the program. You know, bills to not just block Pennsylvania from participating in Reggie, but bills that would strip DEP of its authority to do anything whatsoever related to climate pollution without getting a permission slip from the legislature first. Uh, They were just going to strip DEP of of its authority to try to reduce carbon pollution at all. Some of those bills wound up on Governor Wolf's desk and were vetoed. There were veto override votes that were attempted and failed. There was a specific part of Pennsylvania's rulemaking process that allows the legislature at the very end of that nearly two-year process to try to cobble together the votes to block a regulation from being finalized. They did that and failed. There have been countless legislative hearings in committees, which up until this session, both chambers had been controlled by 
Republicans who are no friends of climate mitigation measures. Those hearings were filled with, frankly, nonsense testimony, climate deniers, fossil fuel shills, all going into the public record. And then, again, as the regulation was on the doorstep and ready to be published in in the Pennsylvania Bulletin, it's this weekly gazette of all agency actions and judicial actions. It sort of is the official codification of different Pennsylvania agency actions. Once it was on the doorstep to be published there at the end of 2021, the entity that actually publishes the bulletin weekly, the Legislative Reference Bureau, decided that it wasn't going to do its job and wasn't going to publish it because it agreed with legislative Republicans at the time. While that dispute with the Legislative Reference Bureau was playing out, DEP ultimately sued the Legislative Reference Bureau and asked the court to order them to publish the rule because it had completed all steps according to law to get to the point of publication. And this Legislative Reference Bureau was not just incorrect in agreeing that that Republicans in the General Assembly had more time, it wasn't their place to make that decision. They were just simply obligated to publish the rules that were lawfully complete and ready to be published. DEP sued the LRB. House and Senate Republicans jumped into that lawsuit and started bringing actual challenges to the constitutionality and lawfulness of Reggie, a rule that wasn't even on the books yet. Those claims weren't ripe to be heard by a court, but nevertheless, they were brought in. Then, after hurdles were cleared in the legislature, after Republicans tried and failed, finally, under their gratuitous, self-interpreted time that they thought they had to, to block Reggie and they didn't have the votes to do it, the rule got published in the Pennsylvania Bulletin, and another lawsuit was filed, this time by a number of coal plant operators and a few select labor groups. They filed suit also challenging the constitutionality and lawfulness of Reggie. And that case has essentially been not officially consolidated with, but has been sort of joined at the hip with the existing lawsuit that had already been in effect for a few months between DEP, LRB, and then House and Senate Republicans. The challengers to Reggie filed a request for a what's called a preliminary injunction, essentially an order from a court, in this case, prohibiting DEP from enforcing, administering, or implementing the Reggie regulation until the full case could be heard. This is something that is done at the very front end of the case, and uh, preliminary injunctions are granted in order to maintain the status quo while evidence is gathered and while the record is developed and the court can hear the full argument. And in July of 2022, a Commonwealth Court judge following a hearing with argument on the preliminary injunction, he decided to enjoin the Reggie regulation. He sided with the Republicans and with the coal and labor groups and essentially put a temporary pause on Reggie while the merits of the case could be heard. And as we sit here now at the end of May 2023, we are still awaiting a decision from Commonwealth Court on whether Reggie is lawful and constitutional in Pennsylvania. And there's been an appeal of the preliminary injunction that's gone up to the state Supreme Court. There was oral argument heard on that appeal earlier this month. And so we're awaiting a decision from both the Commonwealth Court, this intermediate appellate court, and the state Supreme Court. 
that's where things stand with Reggie. So for now, Pennsylvania is a participating state, but because of court order, they are not permitted to make any allowances in the Pennsylvania CO2 allowance budget available for sale at auctions. So it has been a long, winding, very bumpy road, but we should get clarity in the near future on whether Pennsylvania's Reggie regulation is lawful and Clean Air Action Fund and our environmental partners are confident that the facts and the law support Pennsylvania's participation in Reggie. What are the stakes if we continue to hold off from joining and enacting Reggie? And what economic opportunities might we have already lost from holding off? Those are key questions. Governor Wolf and DEP intended for Pennsylvania to begin participating in Reggie at the start of 2022 uh, because of delays in publication and then delays related to the lawsuits and the injunction that was entered. Pennsylvania has had five regional auctions that it otherwise would have participated in if not for those delays. We have a good estimate of how many allowances Pennsylvania would have made available for sale. We know what the auction clearing prices were at each of those five auctions that occurred without Pennsylvania participating. So it's it's a bit of an unknown counterfactual because Pennsylvania participating in the auction might have affected what the clearing price landed at, but a rough estimate would be that Pennsylvania could have received a little over $1 billion had it been participating in Reggie since the start of 2022 as intended. That's what has been lost so far because of opposition and the litigation that's ongoing. DEP did some sophisticated projections going forward when they were drafting the Reggie regulation and moving it through the rulemaking process. Their estimates at the time were, I mentioned earlier, that by 2030, Pennsylvania on net would reduce up to 227 million tons of carbon pollution from power plants. The only regulated pollutant in Reggie is carbon dioxide, but as a result of reducing carbon dioxide from power plants, you will also uh, have co-benefit reductions of other harmful pollutants like sulfur dioxide and NOx or nitrogen oxide. Direct health benefits associated with those reductions but we felt by communities that live near fossil fuel-fired power plants, those health benefits were projected to be up to $6.3 billion by 2030. That's you know monetizing the health benefits that are gained from fewer hospital visits, fewer sick days from work and from school. DEP estimated that there would be over 600 premature deaths from respiratory illnesses that would be prevented because of the emission reductions that result directly from Reggie participation by 2030. Adults and kids would be overall healthier as a result of Pennsylvania participating in this program. Tens of thousands of fewer hospital visits for respiratory illnesses like asthma. They calculated the number of lost workdays avoided because of health impacts that would result from Reggie participation. Again, tens of thousands, I think over 80,000 avoided lost workdays. That's on the health side. On the economic side, there's not just the significant amount of Reggie dollars that would be returned to the state as a result of polluters paying for a portion of the pollution that they emit. There'd also be 
DEP projected that there would be an increase in the gross state product of uh, close to $2 billion by the end of this decade, a net increase of over 30,000 jobs in Pennsylvania. That's not to say that, you know, Reggie will mean 30,000 jobs are created. It's to say between now and 2030, the world in which Pennsylvania doesn't participate in Reggie has a net of 30,000 fewer jobs than the world in which they do participate in Reggie. It will lead to a cumulative increase in people's disposable personal income. They projected that out all the way to the middle of the century, to 2050, and said there'd be a cumulative increase of close to $4 billion. So these are all big figures, but it's a reflection of the fact that Reggie doesn't just reduce carbon pollution, which has benefits clearly worldwide for climate change. It's also providing some real direct, tangible, immediate benefits to the pocketbooks and the health of uh, people in Pennsylvania. Thanks, Robert. That's fascinating about the health and the economic benefits. What are some of the environmental benefits that we can see? In addition to the significant amounts of climate pollution that Pennsylvania would be reducing, the the Reggie proceeds that would, again, would be coming into the state for reinvestment could really supercharge the ongoing transition away from dirtier fossil fuels and help boost the state's clean energy economy. I mean, the most recent year we have data for shows Pennsylvania only generated 3% of its electricity in-state from renewable sources. Uh, So there's a lot of room to grow for Pennsylvania's clean energy industry. And Reggie not just creates market conditions that incentivize cleaner generation, but it provides money to the state to make wise targeted investments in utility scale solar farms and battery storage technology, and just helps complement a lot of the federal dollars that are out there and available on a competitive basis with other states. This is money that Pennsylvania will be receiving as a result of its own state policy and that it will be getting from power plants that are purchasing Pennsylvania allowances, not just in Pennsylvania, but from across the whole Reggie footprint. Reggie allowances are fungible. So a plant in Connecticut, when, you, when, you, when you're participating in the quarterly auctions, you're not saying, I want a Pennsylvania allowance or I want a Connecticut allowance. You're just buying all of the allowances that the states are collectively contributing. So Pennsylvania will be receiving its share of investments and investment opportunities from not just you know the gas plant in York County, but from any fossil fuel-fired power plant that is running uh, from Maine to Virginia. Robert, we've heard all about what Reggie can do to cut carbon emissions, but how can people take action to support Reggie and let their voices be heard? The public has a major role to play here in letting their state elected officials know that Reggie participation matters, that taking strong action on the climate crisis here and now matters, and that Reggie is a key tool in the toolbox for Pennsylvania to move forward and meet its climate targets. You can always look for action alerts from Clean Air Action Fund uh, and our sister organization, Clean Air Council. Sign up to become a member of either organization and you will be emailed when it is time to make your voice heard on a particular issue or to raise awareness about a key measure like Reggie or other environmental policies in Pennsylvania. And you can click a button and send an email, which you'll have the opportunity to edit yourself, but send an email to your elected representatives, letting them know that you want Reggie to be implemented in Pennsylvania wisely and now, that you want Reggie dollars to be invested in particular programs that you care about for 
your community or that you think will benefit the clean energy transition in your neck of the woods in Pennsylvania, writing to the Shapiro administration and, and people at DEP, even when there's not an official comment period that is open, uh, as there was for many months a few years ago on Reggie, writing to them and giving your recommendations about how Reggie proceeds should be invested. Again, we haven't seen the, the formal spending plan from our state agency yet. And the Shapiro administration seems to be engaging in a constructive process, listening to all stakeholders on what the future for Reggie in Pennsylvania should be. So they're certainly hearing from some Reggie skeptics and opponents. So it's important you lend your voice to the to this open process now. Writing to the governor's office, uh, making your voice heard in your local newspaper, writing in LTE. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're off to a good start. But, you know, stay informed, consume information about Reggie. There's certainly a lot of misinformation that's out there. So keeping up with the issues and being a member of Clean Air Action Fund and listening to on-air policy is a great way to stay informed and to learn more about opportunities to get engaged in the process. Thank you, Robert, for joining us today and sharing your extensive knowledge about Reggie. Katie, thank you so much. Great questions. And, you know, I've got all this Reggie stuff in my head, so I've got to share it with someone. If you would like to learn more about Reggie, please visit cleanairactionfund.org. That's cleanairactionfund.org. You can also stay in touch with us on social media at the handle Clean Air Action on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As always, if you like what you listened to today and learned about environmental policy, please share this podcast with your friends and family. 